This is episode number nine of Artful Thought, recorded live at the University of San Francisco's KUSF studio, which aired on Saturday, June 22nd, 2019. On the live show, I named the episode All the Pride and No Prejudice, reverting back to my DJ Mr. Darcy persona. I jammed and gabbed out to a playlist made up of queer artists, seminal through current to celebrate the month of Pride. The playlist is chocked full of fantastical artists, consisting of Ma Rainey, Leslie Gore, Liberace, Queen, Tracy Chapman, Sylvester, RuPaul featuring Martha Wash, Jobriath, Elton John vs. Pinnow, George Michael, David Bowie, The Internet, and Vampire Weekend. In Mike Breaks, I talk about each artist and related LGBTQIA issues from past to present. Due to copyright laws, I had to cut the music from the recording, but have embedded my Spotify playlist to accompany the edited cut. Good morning! Thank you so much for tuning in to KUSF in San Francisco. I'm Darcy, formerly DJ Mr. Darcy. You can still call me that if you'd like. Um, But I have transitioned from my music show to a talk show called Artful Thought. So this is the very top of said show. And it's going to be more music oriented today. I'm here by myself today. I don't have a guest, uh, but I do have a lot of great music uh, that is in honor and celebration in uh, more exploration of pride of thinking about the history of pride and how it resonates now especially in san francisco but definitely i mean it's pride month but i feel like same thing with black history month why just one month you know we need to to really um make it more ingrained in our daily consciousness and not even in a PC. I know there's a lot of heat about uh, people feeling like they're getting grilled all the time for saying the wrong thing, even though they have the, the right intentions. But maybe not so much the PC element of thinking about just what people are saying on social media, but really doing a deep dive and reading on different gender sexuality topics. One of my favorites um, is Judith Butler and um, Simone de Beauvoir is more philosophically based. She did this really, really great book. I didn't read the entire thing, but I um, uh, really love her. Simone de Beauvoir. Dubar de Beauvoir, if I can get it out, um, wrote *The Second Sex*, and she was longtime partner of uh, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. And so, I think there's just a lot of different things to think about, similar with religion, and just why why do we have these social construct constru- constructions? And you know, it does seem bizarre that we have historically and still do persecute people based on some things th- about their individuality, about their identity that really doesn't affect the, the you know, the flow of society and how people go about business in their day-to-day lives. And that's the whole point of equal rights is that people, especially white people and uh, Christian, Judeo-Christian, 
evangelical Christians today, you know, it's really fine for you or heterosexual people, heteronormativity uh, sorts of people who practice that type of um, lifestyle. That's totally fine. We're just saying that you need to be open-minded to other people who don't feel comfortable, who that's just not who they are in, in that type of structure of, of personhood. And for me, especially, this is personal for me because I don't necessarily, I don't want to falsely identify as belonging to the queer community, but I mean, all throughout my life, I've been... I've been made fun of for gender things, for, you know, looking really more some, somewhat masculine. I'm sort of muscular and I look sometimes like a man, like I've been called sir before and um, multiple times. And I, I just look a little bit masculine and effeminate and uh, some people have called me androgynous and that's, that's fine. I am... Uh, the jury's still out. I feel like, like religion, um, I am kind of agnostic, you know, with my sexual identity. Gender identity is a little more, I do identify as a woman, but I don't like to fall in place to heteronormative appearances. Uh, so I haven't worn makeup and I've got a really short haircut. Um, and to not in any way indicate anything about my sexuality, but just that's who I am. That's how I feel most comfortable. And I'm still figuring some things out about, about my appearance and how I, how I identify. And that's the whole point of, uh, just being a person, (laughs) you know, it's just, you don't feel stuck, you know, inside of one way or other, uh, you can change with time and, yeah, I, I just feel like uh, it's it's really close-minded of people who don't see the beauty and the the learning process that goes into just you know the LGBTQIA community of people are not doing this to to you know make other people mad or to make them feel like they can't live their lives the way they want. They're just trying to find a community where they feel they fit in. And I, I relate to that a lot. Um, and although I don't want to falsely, you know, identify as being part of the queer community, maybe I will be someday. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, to each their own, you know, just lay off, uh, especially where I came from, the Bible Belt, there's a lot of, a lot of persecution back home. Um, that is the popular, that's, you know, the main, the mainstream way of how people view other people. And it's really, really, really heartbreaking. And it's really great to be here in San Francisco where people do celebrate each other's differences and embrace it. We still have work to do. I think that that's sort of a misconception that San Francisco is just ahead of the curve on everything. And it totally is not. And sometimes that the ironic part of that, of what has happened in the past year, and even though a lot of different kinds of people come here, it's still... we. We have diversity, but not necessarily plurality, which is something I'm trying to make part of my mission as a human being, as a student, as a teacher, as as someone just trying to learn more about how to interact and um, 
uh, be a part of a community of a lot of a lot of different people and helping them feel supported and for myself personally too. So yeah, so today is basically my part one. I'm doing two shows dedicated to Pride, and this playlist is uh, going to be more of. The not so much contemporary, or I guess not contemporary, not um, like uh, within the past 10 to 15 years, I think that I'm going to try to do like a scattered, more seminal uh, variety of, of artists throughout American history. Well, not just the United States history, but um, yeah, like older people who, uh, especially that song you just heard, was called Prove It On Me, or Blues by Ma Rainey. And Ma Rainey is one of the, she's incredible, first of all, as a musician. And that song is speculated, pretty pretty good evidence uh, within the lyrics. Uh, I think that I've read uh, historians who have, uh, evaluated uh, who who thought that um, that song was written like one night that Ma Rainey uh, had gone and had an orgy and she was talking about you know being with women and because she doesn't like men and she says it explicitly in the in the lyrics and uh, for that time that was 1928 whenever that was recorded a uh, pretty pretty huge time especially her being a, a black woman just really just a lot of a lot of bold things happening there so really really cool um paved paved uh way that she that she just had given to a lot of artists um by by putting that song out there the next song is by uh not by but um uh, it's called Sunshine Lollipops and Rainbows. This is by Leslie Gore. Uh, she's also, she's been passed, she passed away, I think, I want to say 10 to 15 years ago, probably over 15 years ago. Um, but she was one of the the first, like, openly, uh, like, she was okay with saying that she was gay. Nobody really interrogated her about it. Um, she was in the, I guess, performed in the 50s, or that was the height of her career, 50s, 60s. And I'm uh, super stoked to have made this playlist and to, to do a little more research to talk about some of these these different influences from the past uh, that uh, you know resonate with the with the current cultural and artistic things going on in our music and in our art and in our uh, movies and TV so and just in our conversations just in interacting with people uh, our neighbors so the song that you just heard uh, was called You Make Me Feel Mighty Real by Sylvester from the album Step 2. So that was a really fun disco beat. Uh, he, I believe, was in San Francisco for a while, I think until he died um, in the early to mid 80s. So Sylvester was pretty young. I think he was probably mid 30s. And um, he is not known as much. I mean, in the mainstream, uh, I don't think that, uh, I mean, people really 
accredit him with as much as they should in terms of um, what he did, uh, especially for dance and disco and the, the 70s and up to the 80s. Um, and of course, he died super, super young. So that that has a little bit to do with it. Um so before that, you heard uh, Stand By Me, uh, a recording of that, um, a cover of that, live at the Late Show with David Letterman uh, by Tracy Chapman from her Greatest Hits album. I personally remember Tracy Chapman whenever I was growing up, and uh, my parents really loved her, Katie Lang, uh, some, another uh, queer artist. Uh, and I, yeah, I just, I really loved Tracy Chapman growing up and I found out that she, she was, she dated Alice Walker, I want to say. I'm pretty sure that's true. And cause I, I love, I'm here at USF because I'm in the MFA writing program and Alice Walker is playwright and, um, poet and, I, yeah, I think I read that pretty recently or within the past year that they were an item for a little bit. So that's fun. And before that, you heard I Want to Break Free by Queen from their album, The Works. And that I definitely have early memories of Queen. Of course, Freddie Mercury died before my time. Uh, And I between Queen and Tina Turner and Tony Tony Tony, those three CDs were the first CDs that I ever heard and I my mom my mom let me listen to them like on repeat. I'm sure she went a little nutty because I I just wanted to listen to them over and over and over. And especially Queen uh Freddie Mercury's voice before I ever knew anything about him. I was probably five or six years old and I got a huge crush on Freddie Mercury, just his voice. And my mom was just like, honey, he's both gay and dead. And (laughs) I don't think she outright told me that whenever I was like five. But I just think, I mean, the irony is really, really great um, being a five-year-old little girl who would grow up throughout adulthood uh encounter so many problems with men so it was just kind of like a a nice omen to to i knew how to pick them huh um but i uh yeah i just i love queen i love freddie i still haven't seen the bohemian rhapsody i know uh, quite a bit about it i know quite a bit about his background uh, in general just always having been a diehard queen fan and there's a really great interview with brian may with Terry Gross that came out probably six months ago, close to whenever the movie came out. And I, yeah, I need to listen to that as well as, or no, I need to, to watch the movie as well as having heard the, the interview and Brian May, that music video, I want to break free. If you've never watched it, you should definitely go out immediately and, and watch it or not go out immediately, but go to your phone and type and I want to break free on YouTube and watch it. It'll make you feel really, really happy. Um, and before that, you heard Love Letters and the Sand uh, by Liberace from the album My Parade of Golden Favorites from the original album plus bonus tracks, uh, which was recorded and produced in 1961. Of course, Liberace is one of the 
really, really influential uh, queer artists who he was in the closet for a bit of time, but he was always known for being eccentric and uh, especially like Elton John, people like uh, contemporaries of Elton John uh, really, really uh, got a lot of inspiration and influence from Liberace. I don't know a ton about Liberace more than the next person, but I, yeah, I, I mean, it's really um, one of the, the most uh, staples. You know, you never think about, like, what they went through uh, to, to be that person whenever they were, like, the, you know, I mean, the queer community now is, you know, they're minorities, but also, too, then it was just, like, extra minorities because so many people were closeted and even though Liberace didn't come out and yell that he was uh was gay um he still you know was was doing a lot of things that were not heteronormative and he got a lot of a lot of I mean he had to put himself out there and be bold and deal with people who would persecute him more severely than people do today um and of course, before that, you heard Sunshine Lollipops and Rainbows by Leslie Gore. And Leslie Gore is amazing. And I read a little bit about her biography. Her, I didn't uh, watch the show. The, there was like some, I want to say NPR or PBS, one of those more higher brow, you know, TV programs that she did like a deep dive um, uh like documentary series, I think, on the history and culture of of the queer community. And it should be really in- interesting, which came out like, I think, 2000 or so, ni- or the late 90s. So if you're looking for good uh, past documentaries, uh, explorations on the history of queer culture, I would definitely point you in that direction. As well as more recently, I just watched... Ellen Page and her best friend Ian, I forget his last name, they put out this documentary series on Hulu. I watched it on Hulu because I have a subscription to that, and it's probably released elsewhere. And they went on uh, like a journey across the globe and com- did like comparative analyses of what what different cultures, what different countries, how they perceive and have legislature and like different perceptions on queer culture. And it's called Gaycation gaycation and you can find it on netflix i've watched like the first season and it's so good and it was released in 2016 so pretty pretty recent and another documentary i just watched about half of called do i sound gay and that was released i think in 2014 so within the past five years those are two really good contemporary um looks at historical and contemporary what's going on now with um, comparative uh, queer culture and politics and social attitudes and the cultural shifts that are going at their own pace and trying to understand why people have certain ideas about the queer community and most of the time it's fear and lack of education and has nothing to do with, uh, I mean, 
there's no rash rational explanation. A lot of people use religious stuff to justify their homophobia or transphobia. And uh, it's just, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't wash, you know, <laughs> this book, you know, scriptures and uh, other historical texts uh, that have very, very oppressive language that is not evolved with, you know, our culture now. Um, there was, what is it? I think Buddhist philosophy is probably the best uh, way, I mean, that's probably the only historical religious text that I can be like, okay, I can take it at a legalistic sort of like interpret it literally where it uh, has the principle that the only thing that is permanent is impermanence. And we need to change with the way space and time change and the people around us for the sake of harmony and to trust that things are always changing, you know, that's, it's out of our control. And I, I could do a whole episode on comparative uh, religious philosophies and, different theology and uh, dogma versus theology um, and why there's valid viewpoints for basically any religion and because it's faith-based and not fact-based. So, and my argument, if people find ways to justify in the Bible or some other religious text that, uh, oh, you know, homosexuality is wrong or men should be this way, or women should be that way, then I'm going to go ahead and say that regardless if it's a religious text, it's a historical dated text, and it is homophobic and sexist, and regardless of how sacred it might be to some people, it's not sacred for all people. Why, why is that law in the Bible justified, or whatever, you know, um, instruction given? So, I can respect certain things uh, in the Bible and other religious texts, um, but not all of it is up to up to snuff for the current day we're living in because that was thousands of years ago, and now we're dealing with that stuff going on now. How to how to be supportive and loving to to each other in the moment now. So uh, let's go ahead and put on. Okay, so RuPaul. I have never seen RuPaul's Drag Race, but I have uh, came across him. Like, he was in Broad City, and I didn't even realize it was him. And he is, of course, one of the the pioneers of drag, uh, making it mainstream. I don't want to say that he was the first, you know, like, there's so so much history that led up to RuPaul. Um, But in terms of, like, pop culture, he is definitely, like, I mean, definitely brought it to more people's attention and uh, made it uh, more visible for people in the mainstream. And you just heard Changes by Mr. David Bowie. I don't know if he was ever knighted. Would that be Sir David Bowie? Either which way, um, he is transcendental to any any type of label anybody in this world will want to, to put on him. Uh, it's from the album Changes on Bowie, One Bowie, and that was released in 1976. And he is definitely one of the the most like glam, glam, jingle, rocky type of influential 
people from the 60s and 70s. He um, never said that he wanted to be like the the leader of the queer community or anything like that. He just wanted to make music and to also blend in other facets of cultural and, uh, I guess, sexual identity. He uh, really, really broke a lot of barriers between people of a lot of different different identities and made just really made music that rocked that uh, was very moving for for people who identified outside of the the mainstream margins and made it cool you know um so really seriously always have loved david bowie and he i feel like him and dolly parton i made this connection a few weekends ago or maybe two weekends ago where we me and a group of friends at my dad's house he was celebrating his 10th anniversary uh his 10th wedding anniversary with uh, my stepmom tracy and we were having like a little gathering uh outside because it was in missouri and it was hot and uh we were talking about dolly parton and how just like David Bowie, nobody really messes with Dolly. And I feel like she's kind of like the David Bowie of country Western music. She very much is sort of in, working on her own league and just doing a lot of things. Uh, I know there's controversy and there should have been over the Dixie stampede in Branson and she changed it because that's what she should do. I mean, changes uh, just from the, the last title of the song. It's very fitting to the segue of my out loud thinking. And she, yeah, she in a heartbeat was like, yeah, I should probably change that if it's hurtful to, to people. Um, uh, screw the, the historical ancestry celebrating stuff. There's bad crap you know that have that's have that's happened in these different symbols and words and what's what's the the huge deal of just kind of shedding them if it, if it's hurting people um so yeah so that was david bowie and before that you heard freedom from george michael um from the album listen without prejudice off of mtv unplugged and that song is is terrific i think the first time i heard that song was not fully i mean i think i fully listened to it on like arrested development which is very late for me to have heard that if it came out in 1990 and before that you heard phoenix by elton john versus Pinau, and that is from the album good morning to the night of course elton john is one of those staples from the 60s and 70s of uh, the the more eccentric uh, mu- musician mu- musician sorry um, rock British rock people who were openly well I don't it took him a little bit of time to to come out um, but he never denied it uh, he never really tried to put on a show of being heterosexual and he did that album Good Morning to the Night with Pinau about six or seven years ago i want to say and one of my favorite albums of his and that's not one of his earlier albums but i think that says a lot to him that he's still so relevant and still working and collaborating with newer newer artists and uh changes with the times you know just makes adapts uh his own work uh his own personal uh artistry to to what's happening now i i 
always have loved Elton John. Uh, I, I might as well be Terry Gross's assistant, um, but she, she does an interview with Elton John. Who has she not interviewed, really? Uh, and he, yeah, he goes through his process of just his journey uh, up until the present. And you should check it out if you're digging the biographical sort of behind the scenes uh, bird's eye uh, listening to to these different artists. She does such a good job with those interviews. Um, and then before that, you heard Movie Queen by Jabriath. I did not know who Jabriath was until I was researching artists, musicians who paved the way for the queer community making music uh, more queer friendly, inclusive. And he is the first musician who signed on with like a mainstream label with uh, Electra, and I didn't know who he was and researched him a little bit. He died pretty young too. Uh, uh, to, he was HIV positive and he died in the 80s. So died before his, you know, prime, I feel like. And uh, that's a really, really great album. It's self-titled. You should check it out. The, the camp kitsch sort of field, and I know there's a lot of tension uh, right now that's come to the surface of appropriation, and I definitely need to do more research and to, to have more conversations about that issue with queer and uh, uh, black women uh, and just black culture in general being appropriated in the queer community and, and vice versa. I feel like there's some tension there. There's just a lot of back and forth, and I don't really have a dog in the fight, obviously, um, because I'm just not as familiar and I don't identify with either of those those uh, groups of people. And I definitely don't think it's my place to have a, f- a solid opinion if uh, I, if it's not something that directly is uh, attacking me in any way. Um, but also it's good to be aware and to have good conversations where we learn about each other. So I need to, to do more, my, more research on that. I also talked to a few of my friends from back home and we got into kind of a very not argumentative but a tense really challenging conversation about that where one of my friends is a lesbian and we were talking about this playlist you know I I have help from them and I'm going to make the playlist next week Uh, from a lot of their recommendations from my friends because it's more contemporary and to think about what mainstream queer music means to us today and, you know, how they still struggle to to get some of the spotlight that's hogged by a lot of capitalist structures that still, you know, fuel more money into the the Taylor Swifts of Swifts of the world and that is you know not to bash on her I don't really I've never really followed her just because personally I don't like her music nothing against her and I yeah whenever it goes into the socio-political undercurrents and overcurrents of the competition between the two narratives of her work hetero uh, white women and the feminist criticism of white feminism in, I guess, her recent music, but I would, I just don't know enough about that. I don't really 
pay attention to Taylor Swift and I probably should at least a little bit just to be aware of what's going on, you know? I know within my own realms, though, within the academy and within the art community here uh, on a local level, um, there is there are a lot of issues with privilege of the way people live and consider certain causes to be a priority that, yes, maybe it's a priority for you, but it is totally overlooking. And I'm talking about white white people, not just women, but in general, um, who have a certain type of socioeconomic status that really does not pay attention to the fact that they're, I mean, that's like small potatoes compared to how people of color, especially black women, uh, what their struggles are and how they probably need more support from white women to, to, to share the platforms and the, the spaces we have to talk about issues and music and culture and all of this and to, to work towards more solidarity, not to say that white women's problems don't matter, especially like white women. I mean, we should look at the fact that we're women and not always, um, you know, get so hung up on, uh, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I mean, we definitely need to, to zero more in on that and not get defensive about the white stuff and to still be aware of it and uh, to to balance checks and balance, you know, what your pl- privilege entails realistically, you know, just in a pragmatic sort of way. And uh, to realize at the end of the day, like women, especially women of color, get it the hardest more than any other oppressed group of people, especially trans women of color, which is horrific that right now there's been 10 up to 10 uh, women that we know of, trans women, black women, or women of color who have been murdered just this year in the United States. And that's, you know, whenever, whenever you think about your problems, that is just, I mean, that totally resh- reshapes, just completely erases what your problems, the scale of your problems, uh, because that is just something I can't even imagine what a trans woman of color goes through. And I need to do more to, to, to help that, that problem, because I think that it's a societal problem. It's not an individual problem. And yeah, we just got to work together and not get defensive in these conversations, have good, meaningful, challenging conversations, but to remember the solidarity, you know, to remember that we're in this together and to not get pitted against each other competing, but to be like, oh yeah, your problem right now is more urgent than mine. Mine still matters, but yours matters a little bit more than mine does at this, at this second. Um, so And hope that if you're a person who is, who identifies as queer in uh, any any branch of the LGBTQIA community, that you are whatever stage you're in of uh, of coming to that realization that you're getting the support and the need, uh, you know, the needs that you that you're entitled to that you deserve as a human. And if you're going through struggle, if you're in the beginning process of coming out to your parents or, 
you know, just anybody in your community, close people, loved ones, or feel persecuted at work or at just being, you know, walking down the street, wherever you're at, I hope that you know that people out here, this person right here and uh, other people love you and are cheering you on and, and really do uh, hope that we we are we are making changes. Uh, talking about these issues and going out and supporting each other and celebrating each other during Pride Month and recognizing people from the past who have who have paved a lot of a lot of these roads for us to talk about these things and be able to to be in open spaces and express our different identities uh, openly and with dignity and respect. So I hope that wherever you're at, if you're experiencing persecution and hatred, uh, I I truly do uh, extend my deepest love and support to you to get through to to make it to the to the other side of that. It sucks, but there it is possible that you will find a community. There is a community that exists that loves and accepts you and you know, will fight for your rights to be who you are. But this show I'd like to dedicate to a woman uh, who is named, was named Jacqueline Cooper, Jackie. She uh, was a person that I met at Swords to Plowshares, which is a veterans uh, like uh, advocacy nonprofit organization. And I did my first teaching gig. Uh, it was a practicum. It was for school, for class, but it was my first position as a teacher for a creative writing program and had a group of veterans that I was totally honored and felt humbled to 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 help uh, them write you know give prompts and stuff and talk about stories their stories and it blew my mind away my my heart was just on fire from all of these different perspectives and experiences and Jackie um, was was in that group she was the only woman and she she died about a week and a half ago and I was curious I was meeting her you know to to continue to follow up and you know to to see about um, having her stories a couple of her creative uh, writing pieces published uh, for this next newsletter this fall newsletter to celebrate veterans day and she yeah and i met her once to kind of and i'm glad that we met that last time it was such a good meeting and we had a really good talk and going to her memorial service this next week and i just like to honor her and her service uh to this country and i yeah i hope that wherever she's at um uh that she knows how much I, I appreciate her and her energy and her warmth. Follow and support KUSF uh, College Radio. Uh, keep it, uh, help us keep it afloat and, uh, you know, help cheer us on uh, because there's a lot of students here who are new and, you know, still finding their voice. I'm still sort of finding my voice and what I'm doing here on this, this microphone. So, the more the merrier in, in building community. Just make him shut up.